Hello and welcome to The Sporty Scoop, a podcast made by Queen students for Queen students, talking all things sport on campus and in the wider sporting world. My name is Laura McCann and on today's show I chat all things transfers, reviewing all the big deals in both the Irish League and the Premier League with Josh Bunting and Rory Morrow. And as always, I'll have a roundup of some of the Northern Irish sporting headlines which you may have missed. So I'm now delighted to be joined by football journalist Josh Bunting. Josh, a warm welcome back to the show. Um, we're going to do an Irish League transfer roundup of after the closure of the window. Um, the main deal which went ahead on deadline day was the Gannon captain, Oisin Smith, joining Oxford United. How do you assess the move for him? You know, Oxford obviously have a history recently of bringing over exciting Northern Irish prospects. The likes of Gavin White, who's going on to do good things, and Mark Sykes, who's still at the club. You know, what will he bring to Oxford? Uh, yeah, look, I think it's a it's a great signing for Oxford. Um, you know, it's uh, Oxford have obviously you know they've raided the Irish League market over the last couple of years. Uh, Gavin White, Mark Sykes, um, and now obviously Joe, Joel Cooper, and then now Austin Smith. And I think he brings a lot of quality to Oxford United. I don't think he'll, you know, he'll jump in straight up straight into the squad because like he's a raw player. And Carl Robinson, the Oxford manager, has already said this, but um, I think it shows you. You know the continuing progression of you know Irish league football, and we know that Glen Horn were in form and Wrexham were in form, but he's decided to go to Oxford, which I think is, I'm gonna be honest, I think that's the best move for him because it's League One football, it's EFL football. Um, so yeah, look, I think he's gonna bring a lot of quality to them. I wouldn't be surprised if you know he went out loan maybe next season, uh, just just to get a bit more experience in in obviously the English game and the professional game. But yeah, look, I think for the long term, uh, I think it's a really, really good signing. I think he's combative, which is always good um, in, in League One. Um, I think he's very, very good technically on the ball as well. So yeah, look, it's it's great for Irish football. It's great for the Irish League um, that he's gone to England. And yeah, like, hopefully there's going to be more progression um, from him. And I'm absolutely 100% sure that there will be. Yeah, and you know, it's a huge loss for Dungannon, but they had a pretty productive window apart from losing their captain. And I suppose you can't begrudge to move to full-time football, especially after all his years at the club. But they brought in the likes of Gary Breen, Declan Dunn and Cahar Freil, you know, all players with proven premiership experience. How important will it be for them and for Dean Smith moving forward that, you know, the likes of Freil start scoring goals and Gary Breen working his way back from... Um, you know, injury that he settles into the squad quickly because you know they're pushing up the table and they're you know potentially in the mix for maybe eighth or ninth place, which was probably unheard of yeah. at the start of the season. Yeah, like you said, they are pushing up the table. Been really, really impressed with them, Gannon, especially lately. You know, going away to Lorne, winning one 0 um, and I think that you know their big signing really was Declan Dunn. They needed a goalkeeper. The goalkeeper was crucial for them, Gannon. They were letting in too many goals and. We're letting in too many soft goals as well, and you're thinking, yeah, you know, they definitely need a goalkeeper in, in January, and it's never helpful when you know a team's moving around goalkeepers because it sort of says that you know you don't really know who your best number one is, you don't really have a settled goalkeeper, which is a mess because the goalkeeper doesn't only you know influence keep the ball in the net, but in terms of organising the defence, etc., etc., it's a it's a crucial position. So yeah, that undone. Top, top signing. So, um, obviously, you know, we know him well from watching Kimball every week. And I thought he had a really, really good start to the season. Um, I actually thought, to be honest with you, Lauren, that he was unfairly dropped at Kimball. I thought, mm, it's a strange one because 
he, he, was, he was he was doing well and there, there wasn't really any mistakes from him apart from you know against Ben Avon there was one that he tried to pass the ball out of the back and it was intercepted but you know apart from that no he had a really really strong start of the season um, so I think that's a really good signing and um, Gary Breen as well experience leadership you know only back from a from a big injury as well so it's going to take him some time to get up and running and then like you said as well you know Carter Freed proven goal scorer at Irish League level um, and you know Dungannon actually I would say you know Dungannon keeping hold of, of of McBrien was probably their you know their key point to this window I know you know Linfield had a bit rejected and that's common knowledge and you know Glenn Warren were chasing him as well Kittenville as well so all the top clubs wanted him, um, and for no for them to you know keep hold of a player uh, with that calibre, I think that's a it's a major boost, and it's a significant um, it's a significant sort of you know feeling from Duncan that they say okay we're not going to allow our players to leave this easy. Uh, you're going to have to you know pay the pay the big money um, to get them out of the contract, and yep, for paying Duncan for holding strong because. In previous years, I think Dungannon, even with a, a bit of a sniff of money, say, yeah, okay, we're going to have to sell. So, yeah, fair play to the board there and fair play to Dean Shields because there is clearly ambition there, uh, there from Dungannon. And it has shown on the pitch in recent weeks um, because the results have been significantly better. Yeah, and one of the main talking points on deadline day and the transfer that didn't quite materialise was Ronan Hale. You know, it was a long-running saga. One minute he was going to Cliftonville, then he was going to Limfield, then he rejected Limfield, and it looked certain that he was going to go to Cliftonville, and somehow he stayed at Lorne. You know, how did Lorne kind of proceed from this saga? You know, he's a month-away striker, as you said before. Um, we came on our contract up in the summer, you know, how does he progress for the rest of the season? Because he has been starting games and even with the signing of a bonus who we'll go on to talk about, you know, he has been featuring regularly, but does this kind of hinder him now going forward? Uh, Football is a weird, weird sport because you know, if he plays this is this is on obviously recording on, on Wednesday, so obviously the Irish Cup on Friday um, so if, uh, if Roman Hill starts and scores against Linfield on Friday then the Lauren fans will just forget that anything happens because football fans, look, they are fickle and that's just the reality of it. Um, look, I think Ron Hale is a very good player and I think he's an ultimate professional as well. I think that, you know, that the, the aim for him now is just finishing the season as, as strongly as possible. Um, and I think that, yes, I do think that he will be a capable player in the summer because his contract is up. He clearly wants to go to Clippenville. Um, that was sort of what everybody was expecting on 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 deadline day, um, and you know the turn down Linfield is a big test of character and it's a big test of resolve because let's be honest here, Linfield is the most successful side in the country, and um, they're in another title challenge, um, and you know they're in a really good position maybe to go on and to, to win the title despite being beaten last weekend. They're in an Irish Cup, you know Linfield win trophies and. Uh, for players' careers, um, Linfield is, you know, sort of in the pinnacle, maybe. Um, I think that's fair to say because, you know, they are born and bred winners. So, yeah, um, fair play to Roman Hale for turning that down. That's what he he didn't want to, to go there. And he, he had a massive sign uh, of mental strength to turn that down. So, yeah, um, really, really good for him. And I just think that, you know, he'll end the season as strong as possible. He, this focuses on Lauren now. There's nothing that can be done in terms of a move away. Um, and then, yeah, you'll see what materialises in the summer. But 
Um, I think that everybody sort of expected him to be a pivotal player come the summer. Yeah, and you know, speaking of Lauren, they were involved in the most expensive deal of the window, bringing in Lee Bonus. What did you make of that sign? And obviously, you know, he's at the ground running with three goals in his last four games. Did you think Lauren needed to bring him in? And you know, he has a proven Irish league goal scorer. Do you think the full time football move can help them kind of rediscover his touch in front of goal? Because obviously, you know, we had a slow start this season, but exploded on the scene last year for Bordeaux. Yeah, man, good player is Lee Bonus, but you know, I said this on social media and some fans would agree and some fans would disagree and that's totally fine but I think in the Irish League football I think it's great um, I think it's great that you know it's more competitive but obviously we all know the fee for Lee Bonus was, was 100k you know for a striker who scored I only scored a couple of goals for Lawrence and Sennon which has been which is sort of been yeah that's obviously what he's meant to do but three goals um, before Dan that you said still start the season I just have this worry that the Irish League, that, you know, the Lauren and the Glen Thorns of this world, they're going to inflate the market in the Irish League. So it's going to be very, very difficult for other clubs to sort of compete. Um, like the likes of Glen Haven, the Dungannon, the Clippenbills, because they don't have, you know, they don't have 100,000 to spend on anybody. So that would be my only concern. I think, I think for Lauren, he's a good player. I didn't actually feel that they needed another striker, not to be honest. I didn't really believe that they needed an, an attacking option, but maybe they sort of knew before the window that there was going to be interest in Edwin Hill, who we've just been speaking about. Maybe they thought, okay, if we get a good offer here, we're going to allow Edwin Hill to go, so we need someone in. So maybe that was sort of thinking. I'm not sure. But you're like, yeah, look, Lee Bonus, he scored a couple against his old club at the weekend, four down. So it's been, yeah, it's been, it's been proven to be. A good sentence so far, and there's still plenty of, of, of obviously of work for him to do. I mean, he had trials with Burnley, so there is a player in there. He's a very, very good talent. But I think the chance, and the chance fee also okay, it makes everyone else talk. But you have to think about the player as well. And um, there's big pressure on his shoulders to, to perform, and um, and that could be a negative as well. But yeah, he started okay, and and you know he has to end the season and. As, as strong as strongly as possible as he can as well. But for me, that was probably the, the biggest talking point of the Irish League transfer window that been in because obviously the transfer fee. And I've said it before, it's great that the money is staying in the Irish League. And that's fantastic because like everybody wants a strong Irish League. But my only concern is would be, you know, it's, it's sort of, you know, it's inflating the market. And I fear that other clubs will you know, find it difficult in time to compete. Yeah, and, you know, Lee Bonus has, has left Portadown and that's a huge hole for them to fill. They've brought in a raft of signings from, you know, Elliot Dugan, Josh Doherty, Billy Stradman, players who've had previous experience in England, but obviously, you know, haven't yet um, had much experience in the Irish League. You know, what are your thoughts for Portadown bringing those players in? They needed the strength and obviously, you know, they've had a tumultuous time recently and Sack and Matthew Tipton, you know, do you think they can get out of a relegation battle, especially without, you know, their star striker? I don't think they can get out of a relegation battle. I think, um, I think that you know, it's obviously between themselves and one point for that, you know, that one automatic relegation place, and then obviously you've got the playoff. Um, right now, I would imagine Portland to be in that playoff come the end of the season. Um, obviously, those games against one point are going to be absolutely massive. Um, 
Portland transfer window, um, it confused me in in many ways. Really, um, there's some signings that I think, okay, yeah, you've got a lot of potential. Uh, Jamal Dupree, certainly very good player, very good on the ball, very very good going forward. Um, like you said, there you, you know the foreign Stedman who sort of had a known quantity. Um, obviously had time at Coventry City, but it's how you adapt from that style of football into the Irish League. I mean, that's not for everybody. The Irish League is a physical league, um, and I'm not really too, you know, well versed on the player, but you know, I think he'll be expecting a lot of time on the ball because I think that's sort of the way that he plays. Um. He's expecting there to be lots of space, which isn't going to be the case. You know, it'll be closed down instantly. So that's a, that's one that I'm going to be interested to keep my eyes on. Um, but, you know, poor Downs, chance window, like we all love football, but I don't even think the most the, the football purists can really see poor Downs, chance window. Actually, you know, the staying up in the Irish League, you need that Irish League experience. And I, that's what would concern me with their window. They signed a lot of players, but none really from the Irish League. They were sort of all from, you know, Waterford and things like that. Which, okay, it looks really, really nice on your CV and it looks really nice on paper. But in a relegation battle, I'm just not sure that that's what they needed uh, at this time. So, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. And, you know, obviously Saturday um, against Lauren was sort of, it wasn't that's not what they're going to be judged on, but it was a it was a pretty heavy defeat, which sort of says to me have they really improved their squad? I'm really not sure. Um, but yeah, look, like I said, the before Lauren, their window really confused me, and yeah, I think they're going to finish in that you know that relegation. They're going to finish in the bottom two, but right now I'm sort of edging towards yeah they'll finish in the playoff, and mm-hmm. um, we'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah, and Balamina were another side who had a productive window, especially on deadline day, you know, bringing in Sean O'Neill and Miles Smith. How big could those signings be for them? You know, Sean O'Neill, a proven Irish League goalkeeper, it's probably a real coup getting him in, going back to his former club and Miles Smith, a really exciting young talent. You know, could that be possibly what he needs, like Trey Hume going to Balamina for a season and look at how he progressed? Is this the kind of move that he needed to really, at the springboard step, to take the next step to go into Glenthorne's first team? For me, Balmina were the real winner, sort of, of the transfer window, if you like. I mean, we all know that they needed a goalkeeper, Jordan Williamson, injured. Um, so, yeah, like Jordan Williamson, who was their number one this season, you know, he got an injury. Um, and they've got, now they've got two injured goalkeepers. So, yeah, look, they needed a goalkeeper absolutely massively. Um, Sean O'Neill, immense amount of experience, which is obviously key. Um, very, very good goalkeeper. And he's played in the Irish League long enough. So yeah, look, it's one of he was always he was always always said it. He was too good for the shooters on the bench. He needs to be playing for a team football. So yeah, look, well, I mean that really, really good move for him. As for Mal Smith, a sensational signing and you know, obviously he wasn't playing much for Glen Thorn, but I think he's gonna be a, a huge part of Glen Thorn's future. Really, really good in the ball, really technically um gifted. And I think that, you know, he's gonna bring a lot of uh a lot of quality to Balamina in midfield. Just getting them up the pitch, just getting on the ball and, and, and picking passes. And his pass selections probably is like he's a midfielder, so it has to be good. But his pass selections probably the key part of his game. So yeah, um, really really excited to see him play. 
Um, and I think it's a it's a really really good signing, and you know it's great for him because he's going to start games, he's going to get a lot of minutes under his belt, um, and he'll certainly go back to Glen Thorne a better and stronger player ahead of next season, which. I actually think that he'll feature quite a lot because I think he's a, he's a massive, massive part of their, their furniture and a massive part of their future as well. Yeah, and Glen Thorne were another team who had quite a productive window. It got most of their business done early on. They brought in Sean Murray, Dean Coyle and Michael O'Connor. You know, what do you think of those signings? Obviously, Sean Murray has already settled in well. Dean Coyle and Michael O'Connor taking them a bit of time to get up to speed, but it just further strengthens what is already, you know, an embarrassment of riches at Glen Thorne in terms of their squad. Yeah, Unbelievable squad. Um, like you said there, I think Glenn's Warren's key sort of thing with the window is all the business was done early. So look it gives them more time to bed into the squad and you know, it gives them more time to adapt. And I think Sean Murray is an outstanding signing. You know, he's played for Watford before and you know, he was brilliant at some dog. And like I say, sometimes those players don't really work in the Irish League. But I honestly believe it. You know, Sean Murray will work in the Irish League, and you know, I I think that he's a he's just a top top player. You know, in both boxes as well, he scores goals, and you know, he breaks up play really really well. Um, so yeah, great signing, um, for Glenn Torn. Um, Michael O'Connor, it didn't really surprise me. I think that was on the that was on the sort of the cards for quite a while. Michael O'Connor. I don't think you'll start many games because you've obviously got the form of Jay Donnelly and, you know, Mick, 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 Mick McDermott, <laughs> sorry, doesn't uh, really play with a, with two up top. Um, so it's usually Jay Donnelly through the middle. Um, so yeah, look, O'Connor is good for rotation. Um, and I think that you sort of need that. Obviously, all good teams, I say, need two good players in each position. Um, and Glenn Thorne certainly have that. O'Connor will bring a lot will bring a lot more than goals as well. So he holds the ball up really well. I think that's a really good feature of his game. So yeah, look, I think Glenn Thorne, I don't really think they need to do all that much really, because the squad is it's a, like you said before, it's a really, really good squad. Um but yeah, look, to add those uh fine wee tweaks to it is is, is very good. Um and yeah, I think that I think that they had a really, really successful window. Yeah, and moving on to their near neighbours, Limfield, who had quite a frustrating window, probably. You know, they brought in Ben Hall, Chris McKee, and J.K. Stay, the latter two from Rangers. But what did you think of their window overall? Because obviously there was that field pursuit for Ronan Hale, and only really bringing in Chris McKee as a recognised striker. It's probably going to be a bit of a struggle, especially on the back of such a heavy defeat to Coleraine last weekend. Yeah, um, Limfield, you know, it's very, very hard to find jail. It's very, very hard to find players. Um, I said this as well, and some people didn't like it, but I said that, you know, Glenn Swan and Lauren, when it comes to a bidding battle in the Irish League, will do anyone. And if they want the player, they'll get the player. They've got the money, go and do it. And people are like, oh, Linfield and Linfield can't compete and stuff. And I didn't say that. I said Linfield can compete. Of course they can, but not to the same extent now. Because Lenfield have other things to pay for, not just, you know, players. So Lenfield, you know, a striker was key. You got obviously Chris McKee and Lone from Rangers, who is a very good young talent. Don't get me wrong, great player. Done really well at freaking. I just think they needed somebody else as well, which is obviously why they went for Ron Hill. Um but you know, Lenfield, one signing that I think is gonna be a top top class signing is Kieran Evans from Cardiff City on loan. 
Um, that was a deadline day one, so I actually think that could be one of the signings of the season. Um, I think that he's too good for Irish League football, and I mean that in the most respectful way. I was sort of surprised that um, he went to Linfield. I thought you know an EFL club uh, would have would have gone for him, you know, and JKST, you know, just hasn't really done it over the last few years. He's had a good little spell at Rotherham, but then obviously he's a part of Thistle last year and. You know, it just didn't work at all. He's a confident player, um, so you know he needs to get off and running, and he needs to get off and running very quickly. Um, or yeah, that could be a bit of a disaster. But you know, Irish League football, you know, he's played in better leagues, and again, that's being respectful. So he he could you know he, he could be a gem. We'll see what happens with him. But yeah, I think Lenfe is you know again a strange window for them. But in January, like I've always said, and I've said it for years, it's very, very hard to attract players in January because who wants to lose the key players in January? You know, you're in the middle of the season and who do you go and buy without overpaying? Um, so, yeah, look, really, really hard window for them. Obviously, they lost Trey Hume as well to Sunderland. Um, I think that was on the cards for a while as well, to be honest. I think, you know, Trey Hume, one of the best players in the league um, this season and, you know, for couple of seasons now. Um he's only nineteen, so I always thought that, you know, an EFL club was gonna was gonna go in for him. It was obviously Sunderland. Um and he simply don't turn that down. It's a big opportunity for him. So you know, I think they may have needed another right back, although Niles Quinn has done a more than a good enough job in there recently. Um so yeah look, Linfield straight window. Um uh, but I think with that uh here and Adam Tennant, I think that's an outstanding tennis. So um, we'll see what happens uh, with, with Linfield, but of course that we all we all know that another striker was was probably needed there. Yeah, and just to finish off with those two temporary deals um, that were players moving between Irish League clubs, you know, we had Andy Mitchell joining Coleraine um, from Glentorn, and then you had sorry not two temporary. We had Thomas McGar making his temporary move permanent to Warren Point, you know. What do you make of those moves for those two players? Ones who haven't really featured much at their previous clubs and needed to get that Irish League experience yet again playing regular football. Yeah, um, I'll start with Thomas McGuire. I was sort of surprised that Kimball allowed him to go on a permanent deal. I actually think the way that you know Paddy McLaughlin plays, I think that Thomas McGuire is a perfect player for that. Um, uh, you know, he's quick, he's good in the ball, he's sort of a, he's aggressive. Um. So I thought that was a strange sort of, you know, decision from Clintonville. But, you know, he obviously wasn't in Paddy's plan. So, yeah, um, Warren Point has got a fantastic player on the hand. Um, so, look, um, he's going to cause plenty of problems for Irish League defences. Like I said, he is quick and he is aggressive. He drives the defenders so, so well. So um, that was a great that was a great move for him. And it's going to be good better for him because he's going to get more games which is obviously required as for Andy Mitchell um, yeah I was quite I was quite uh, impressed with that as well from Cole Rain. Um obviously he's proven in the Irish League he's got plenty of experience and he, I think he suits Cole Rain really really well he's strong he's physical holds the ball up well and um, with the likes of Jamie Glacken putting balls in the box well there's not too many um better strikers in the league than Andy Mitchell in terms of physicality. So I think he'll bully defenders, I really do. Um, like I said, if Glacken putting balls in the box, I think he'll certainly go and get goals for them. He wasn't going to play Glen Torrent, 
I think that was, you know, that was sort of granted because of the form of like Jay Donnelly and obviously you can play Rory Donnelly there as well and like Mike O'Connor who who was who was spoken about. So um yeah, a really, really good signing that um for Corey and I think he's a he's a perfect Corey player. Um and I wasn't really surprised with you know, with that move because like I said, he wasn't playing much with Glenn Warren and he's a, he's too good to sit on anybody's bench really. Yeah, uh, thanks so much, Josh, for coming on. That was a great roundup, and it'll be really interesting to see how the players who've come in from different leagues and how the players who were already in the Irish leagues that went into new clubs. No worries, thanks for having me on as always. So I'm now delighted to be joined with Rory Morrow. Rory, welcome back to the show. Um, we're going to do a Premier League transfer roundup after I'd previously done an Irish League one. And just like the Irish League, there was a lot of moves. A lot of those came on deadline day as well. Um, one of the big talking points was Everton. The appointment of their new manager, Frank Lampard, on Monday, and then the signings of Donny van de Beek um, on loan from Manchester United, and then Deli Alley on a permanent transfer from Spurs. What did you make of all those moves? It was quite a lot of upheaval in a club which has already had a lot of upheaval this season. Well, exactly, yeah. Everton are sort of, if there's such a thing as stability in football, Everton are the opposite of that at the moment. they going through a lot of players. It is... It's sort of the thing, it's both are very good players uh, and both needed game time, I suppose. Van de Beek, I don't know how much United signed him for, but when he is before they signed United signed him, he was playing out of his skin at Ajax. Like, I remember that run to the Champions League they had a few years ago. They were just, he was sensational in that team. Uh, and then United, he just didn't really, his face didn't fit with either of the managers. He didn't get a sustained run. So maybe. Everton, arguably, I think what Everton really lack is a goal-scoring threat from midfield. So it's it's good that they've addressed they've addressed that with Van der Beek, and then if Deli Alley can get his form going again, and Lampard, that's sort of uh, we saw that at Chelsea Deli Alley is in a mold similar to Mason Mount, and Lampard really helped that Mount. So if he can do something similar with Deli Alley, and then it's going to be a really good signing. Yeah, what do you make of Lampard coming into the club? Obviously, you know his last job, it ended, you know. Quite surprisingly, mm. obviously Chelsea had been on a bad run, but it was maybe about yeah. ten games or so that they had been playing mm-hmm. well, and he'd obviously brought through the youth. You know, is that why Everton turned to him? Because you know they have a lot of promising young players, the likes of maybe Mason Holgate, Anthony Gordon. Do they kind of need that to bring those players through? Because obviously, you know, as we saw in the summer, the money was tight, and it seems that Everton, after all their years of spent, now have to kind of regress on that. And so, was Lampard the ideal choice to bring those young players through? Uh, possibly. I mean, the other thing that Everton, first of all, probably the most important thing that Lampard has to do is make sure that Everton stay up. I mean, sort of as absurd as a statement, this is a sign. Everton are in, if they keep losing games to play Newcastle in a week's time, if they lose that, they are bang in relegation trouble, which is startling. But I, provided that you get a few results, what really I think the fans would want is just a bit of morale, the team to play as opposed to a sort of anti-Benitez football and just play forward, play the youngsters and letting them just a bit of freedom, a bit of expressive creativity and they sign players in that mould. Um, as I suppose the expectations are different. Sort of Everton, I think they just want a bit of, right now, they just want a bit of stability and a bit of fun and the Goodison crowd is at the moment, it's been toxic, but if the team starts performing, then it becomes toxic for the for the opponents, for the visitors to Goodison Park. Um, so it's really about getting the fans on side because Goodison Park can be a fortress uh, when the fans are united. So it's about Lampard would need to get to get off to a fast start. 
Yeah, and you know, speaking of Everton, but moving on from one of the players who departed them was Luca Digne, um, in a bizarre turn of events. Obviously, he left um, because he had a fallout with, he had Benitez. with Benitez. Yeah. And then, <laughs> yeah, people are, I think every, everyone's heard about the agent Rafa gag that uh, <laughs> he sold him on purpose to, to weaken Everton for the Liverpool for the Liverpool link. Uh, but no, it seemed it was just really, really bizarre. He was playing, he's, he's definitely. He sort of he came in and he succeeded Leighton Baines in the in the left back slot a few years ago. Was playing plays quite well, maybe a w- bit weak defensively, but very very strong going forward. And a very sort of well rounded player seemed to get on well with everybody. And then just one bizarre spat later, and he's out the door. And they sold they sold him to a relegation rival, which I think is bizarre. Not a relegation rival, but like Premier League rivals. But Everton would want to be where Aston Villa are, sort of mid table, sort of fringes of pushing for Europe. To sell to directly to a rival, it's just weakening yourself. <laughs> it's uh, and all because of the of the spat with the sort of and the board seemed to be by selling Dean. You, you, you think, oh, they're going to back Benitez. He's clearly got time, and then another loss later, and they start to do it, and it just it looks really really stupid. Yeah, and obviously, as you said, Aston Villa are a club who've benefited from that and their business has transfer window has certainly raised a few eyebrows, obviously bringing Dene and Callum Chambers uh, as a centre-back another position they need to strengthen. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the marquee arrival was Felipe Coutinho and he's already had a dream start scoring on his debut. But, you know, how big are those three signings for Villa going forward? Because they've obviously addressed all the, you know, the issues they needed to. Do you think it really helps strengthen them for that push further on up the table? Yeah, I mean, Gerard has settled in quite well, and now he's solicited these signings. He's obviously been able to put up his, sort of the stamp on this team, uh, on this team in his way. I mean, he's what he played with Coutinho, and Coutinho is the X Factor signing. He is sort of the Brazilian Grealish for Villa. Not that they're carrying him because I don't think they want to be become overly dependent on him in the same way they sort of not depended on but struggled without Grealish really badly last season when he wasn't playing. Uh, but Grealish, Coutinho just adds that sort of he will supply the forwards and he will get the goals himself. He's a goal scoring, he's a threat from midfield. Um, and then the other two are really good signings as well. Chambers and Dini, they're both of experience. Chambers maybe has fallen off the bandwagon, but he's still a good defender. He's sort of, the up, all the upheaval at Arsenal can't have helped him. He's been loaned out a few times. So he'll be wanting to just sort of start afresh. And it's just good. It just keeps everyone there on their toes, keeps competition going. That's some, that can maybe be healthy for a squad like Villa's. Yeah, and you know the other club that was very busy this January, as was expected, was Newcastle. You know they mm. brought in Dan Byrne and Chris Wood, obviously from two other Premier League clubs. I know the Chris Wood transfer caused great upheaval at Burnley. They were raging at letting him go, and then they also brought in you know Gomarez from Leon, a highly respected mm. midfielder for you know a huge fee, and then Matt Target and Kieran Trippier. Yeah, 30, I think it was. And Matt Target and Kieran Trippier, again, fullback positions mm. that they needed to address. You know, what do you make of Newcastle's business? Obviously, there wasn't really, well, Gamares could be, you know, seen as that marquee yeah. signing, but they've gone for Premier League experience, which is, you know, obviously needed at this stage. Absolutely. They've been very um, sort of practical in their signings. So the Trippier and Target, very reliable, very sturdy, very, um, just they have Premier League experience, have the know-how uh, sort of, I think Trivia has a set piece as well, really good deliverer. It's sort of they they strengthened, they just added experience to um to go like proven experience as well. And it's sort of that's what you need for the releg like that will not harm one bit uh, for the relegation fight ahead. Um even if they are so they sort of even if they're not sort of marquee signings, 
they good they should be contenders because they're what the team needed. Yeah, and you know as well, there's looking obviously he's talking about Chris Wood, Burnley signing um Vaghorst from Woodsburg. Um, I've read a lot of things saying you know Burnley signing a six foot six inch striker. Yeah. If you can't love that, you can't love football. Very, <laughs> very yes. Burnley. I know, and I've I've seen a lot of things saying you know he can be he's the upgraded version of Chris Wood. So whilst Newcastle feel that they've been, you know, weakening the potential um, relegation rival by bringing them in, apparently Burnley are, you know, delighted to actually have the money to be able to bring a player of this calibre in. What do you think he'll add to Burnley? It's probably an obvious question, but surely he can be an upgrade on Wood who's only scored, I think, hopefully, two or three uh, goals this season. Yeah, hopefully. Chris Wood, sort of as big as Ferrer was about him leaving, he'd done well the seasons before, but this season just, like with Burnley as a whole, really just, it just hadn't been clicking, so maybe maybe it's not the worst thing in the world if uh, if this if this German striker comes in and sort of really if they get service into him, play around him, it's about he he wants to score. It's also about setting up the other players to score because I mean they can't Burnley will need more than one regular goal scorer if they're going to stay up um, and they're going to get the points that they need. Yeah, and one of the feel-good stories of the transfer window was Christian Eriksen going to Brentford. Probably took a lot of people by surprise, but, you know, it's his chance back into football. How great is it to see him back in the Premier League? And also, you know, at Brentford, it's quite an exciting project. I'm excited to see how he fits into their team. Exactly. No, it's very, it's eight. It's fantastic that Eriksen is going to be back uh, back playing again. And sort of, it's, it's brilliant because it was only it was only six months or so ago with the Euros at the... He, the, um, he was with there were fears over his life and with that cardiac arrest. So it's first, first and foremost fantastic that he's back playing. And secondly, it's really good. It's a really good signing. It's um, Brentford, Brentford has sort of built a lot of if Thomas Frank is Danish, I think, and he's built that built that Danish, not Spain, but it is a Danish link throughout the team there. So there's a clear sort of cohesion and uh, camaraderie already in that. And Ericsson then from the Spurs days anyway. He knew he's a Premier League and he's a shoot operator. He's really, his long range shooting is excellent. His set pieces are reliably really good. And he's just, he tracks back, he runs, he makes his tackles. He's just a really good, he's a really good all round team player. And he should be, he should add maybe the spark the Brentford need. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, you mentioned Spurs there. They were another club that were very busy on deadline day. They brought in Conte's happiness. <laughs> <laughs> they brought in Bentecourt and Kulisevsky from Conte's previous club Juventus um, mm-hmm. how do you think they'll settle in and then also you know they let Brian Hill go Lisalso out alone and in Dumbele is this kind of you know Spurs are trying to make up for their past errors in the transfer market because those three signings obviously don't re- represent great value for money yeah it's um, it's weird sort of they're doing they're doing sort of an Everton just higher up the league it's uh, instead of they're bringing they're bringing a few players in and if it's really if it's not working out but they haven't given them that much game time they're shitting them out again uh, Brian Gale is a weird one I, I always thought he'd stay he looked quite exciting sort of if Son's not available or whatever he, he can deputise quite well uh, Lucelso is like it's like sort of he's it's not like Endombele, but not talked about as much in terms of he never really got a run, never really filled it in either. Harry Winks have been sort of reinvented in there and all of those skip. But no, sort of, if bringing in Serie A players will help, you'd think it would help Conte, seeing as that's where he, it's always plied his trade. And if he can build that spine, um, he'll probably look to expand on that in the summer window as well. Yeah, and Tottenham were devastated to lose out in Luis Diaz with Liverpool um, coming in late, sweeping in late to complete that deal. Obviously, the 
Liverpool had bought at the initial price tag of I think it was 80 million euro but they managed to get it down to about 50 you know how exciting the players is he going to be for Liverpool obviously it adds more competition to their front line and you know it's he's proven in the Champions League and so far this season that he can be a player that can get goals and assists when he's in there do you think he'll flourish under Klopp? Yeah um, it looks like it looks like an ideal marriage sort of thing it's a it's been, I think, Liverpool are very encouraged by their January on the field as well. So the Salah and Manny were away, and yet they've managed quite well. Um, Oxley Chamberlain's really stepped up with the goals, and Firmino has been good as well. And then um, this just adds another, it's like Jordan, it just adds another option to lessen the burden on, in particular, Salah and his scoring. So if he's not scoring, it's another game changer for Klopp to bring on. It's really just trying to even it up the quality of Liverpool's bench compared to Manchester City's bench. It just helps even that up significantly. Yeah, and they were unfortunately um, unable to bring in Fabio Carvalho. Obviously, missed out on him on deadline day, and it could prove to be quite a scramble in the summer window. You know, when he's a free agent, do you think they'll be able to secure his signature? Do you think you know I've heard the likes of Borussia Dortmund and Barcelona have been sniffing at him, and they wouldn't have to pay as high tribunal fee? Do you think maybe they could sneak in, or do you think he could be another one, as you say, destined to go to Liverpool? Depends where he wants to go. Sort of, I think everyone. I think the the appeal of Liverpool is sort of in in the club's history and its tradition, and of course in Klopp, but also as a forward. In that you're thinking, will I really go in there and displace Salah, Mane, Jota? Am I really going to get the game time that I want? So the Dortmund has been a good stepping stone, and it's somewhere where maybe maybe Jadon Sancho was quietly thinking, I wish I'd stayed at Dortmund for a wee while longer because he was actually flourishing, not in the headlines, but flourishing really well over there, just quietly performing and developing really nicely. Um, so maybe maybe that would be a good stepping stone for Carvalho before uh, before he thinks he's, he'd be ready to displace, go, and, go to a big club and sort of challenge to displace uh, senior, senior established uh, goal scorers. Yeah, and you know, speaking of one club that have strengthened this summer, or this January window to a club who just got weaker. You know, Arsenal have, have let so many players go. Um, oh. Aubameyang on deadline day was was a huge <laughs> shock. And, you know, it's a huge risk. Obviously, he'd had a fallen out with Mikel Arteta and it didn't look like there was any way back, but did not bring no, him. They let him go. I saw, I saw a graph the other day. The amount of players that Arsenal bought in and let go for free. You must be just pulling your hair out if you're an Arsenal fan. I mean... <laughs> It's really laughable. They brought in yeah. Aubameyang on deadline day a few Januarys ago, I remember. And he did well at the start. He won a few trophies. But let him go for free. Sort of who was your captain and arguably the talisman of the club at the start of the season. To let him go for free is just beggar's belief. It really... Arsenal's... It happened with Aaron Ramsey as well. Players just run down their contract and or they're not... Or they have a falling out. Uh, like with Ozil as well, or Mkhitaryan as well, and they just and then then shipped out without any sort of. Arsenal must be making a loss. I don't get how they're still regulating with financial fair play rules if they're bringing in players for at least twenty million odd. Or Bamiang was near fifty, if I recall, and then he's been nothing again, nothing. They're getting them for free. Oh. Yeah. I think the huge worry as well for them is they haven't brought in a replacement and they only have Inkadi and Lacazette who haven't really been in amongst the goals so far this season. Not prolific. Talented, but not prolific. Yeah. I it think. won't help them in the top. Like if, they, if it comes to the top four and they've had too many nil-nils or not just so... Aubameyang, although Arteta is quite shrewd and laid down a marker that it can't be late, can't, the standards, 
Arsenal fans maybe wishing that they kept someone like him, like a poacher, someone to step off the bench and just get a tap in at the last minute. They, if it comes down to a few points for the top four in May, it could be the difference. Yeah, and just finally, a transfer that has probably gone under the radar considering, you know, um, the player won't be arriving until the summer was Man City, um, completing the signing of Julian Alvarez from River Plate, a hugely exciting young player, 14 million. Do you think, you know, he's going to be a striker? Does that kind of solve their striking woes or do you think in the summer they'll still target another, you know, big name? Um, Hard to say. I mean... On one hand, I'm sort of I'm sort of thinking, do City really even need a striker? Because they're about to win consecutive Premier Leagues without without sort of the girl was injured all of the year before, and now this year that uh, they Gabriel Jesus has been sort of reinvented as a as a winger, uh, and it's worked really well. Like they've used De Bruyne as a false nine, they've, Maris has gone central as a Sterling. Sort of, it's just used the squad he has. Um, Adares looks very talented. I've seen. There's one tweet, so it's just sort of comparing him. They're thinking long term, they want to develop him in the way they did Aguero, which is speaks as his promise. Uh, but it's also a lot of pressure. But hopefully, he'll come in and uh, City fans will hope he settles. Yeah, you know, it'll be really exciting to see how he settles in the Premier League when he comes in the summer. That is, um, Marie, thanks so much for coming on, and Pleasure. I'm sure we'll talk to you again soon. Here's a roundup of some Northern Ireland sporting headlines which you may have missed. We start with rugby and wing Matt Hansen will make his Ireland debut against Wales on Saturday in the first game of the Six Nations at the Aviva Stadium. The back, who was born in Australia, has been in fine form for his club Connacht since arriving in the summer from Brumbies, scoring six tries in nine games. The rest of the team against Wales has a familiar look to it, with 13 of Andy Farrell's starting lineup featuring in the victory over New Zealand in November. Ian Henderson and James Lowe are the only two players dropping out through injury. Ulster Locke Henderson has returned to training alongside Tag Furlow and they are set to be available for the rest of the tournament, which Ireland are aiming to win for the first time since 2018. Moving to women's rugby and former Ireland captain Neve Briggs is the national side's new assistant coach as they begin preparations for the Six Nations in March. The fullback, who won 57 caps for her country, was part of two Six Nation title winning sides and links up with the national team after stints coaching UL Bohemians and Munster. To golf, and the Northern Ireland Open will have a revamp format for the 2022 edition of the tournament. It will take place as a 54-hole stroke play tournament at the Carndu Golf Club, Castle Rocks Link Course and the Galgorm from the 4th to the 6th of July. The tournament will involve over 60 professionals and acts as pre-qualifying for the World Invitational, which will take place at the Galgorm in August. Finally to boxing and Katie Taylor will create history in April when she takes on Amanda Serrano in the first female boxing match to headline Madison Square Gardens. Ireland's undisputed lightweight world champion will put her belts in the line for the sixth time in her career since claiming them in 2019 after defeating Delphine Pershoon. She will belatedly take on the seven-weight world champion Puerto Rican after their original fight which was scheduled for May 2020 in Manchester was called off due to the pandemic. The Bray native defeated Serrano's sister Cindy earlier in her career and has stated that the headline bill in New York will be a career-defining night. That's all we have time for in this week's show. Thanks to Mark McKibben for putting it together and to you for listening. See you next time. Bye-bye.